Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. We just take a minute to um, encourage your pastor. I love Pastor Pete. Can we just thank the Lord for Pastor Pete? Brother, I just want to encourage you in your faithfulness to God, and I just see Jesus all through you, brother. And, you know, like the Apostle Paul said, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. I follow this brother because I know he's following Christ. And so thank you, brother, for for your ministry and who you are. Um, you know, New Vision Church, it's my first time being here, but I've been able to come and, and just uh, see what God is doing in diff- on different occasions with Pastor Pete, and he shared with me all the great things that God is doing. And I, I just want to encourage you uh, that as I walked in today, I just feel the warmth, right? I feel the presence of God, and I'm so encouraged about what Jesus is doing in his church there's a humility, and there's just a desire to follow him. And so I just want to encourage you, New Vision Church. I'm so thankful to be here with you this morning. Um, you know, for me, I became um, a Christian at 16 years old. God saved me uh, radically and uh, called me into ministry. And so I, I see myself as somebody who's kind of an unexpected uh, person that, that God has placed in ministry. And I, I'm so thankful for his grace. You know, uh, for me, I've been married for 16 years, and so I'm just going to put a picture up of my family real quick. Yeah, praise God for that. Um, And those are my three kids there, 11, 9, and 8, Kai, Ellen, Ava. And, you know, I remember when the uh, doctor said that it would be difficult for us to have kids. And so I I look and see that every uh, one of my children are a blessing from God. It's because of God um, that I've been able to be a dad, and it's it's a great blessing to me. And so this morning, we're going to be getting in uh, Genesis. And so you've got your Bibles. Turn to Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 through uh, 12, 4. Uh, So as you're turning there, let me pray before we jump into God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. I pray that, God, you speak to the hearts today. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that you are working, God. And so, Father, we pray that you speak specifically to whatever uh, we need today and uh, that we see clearly Jesus. We thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So Genesis chapter 11, I'm going to read this text starting in verse 27. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son of Abram's uh, wife. And, And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Canaan, 
They settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Today, I want to talk about the call of God. The call of God. A common question that I get as a pastor, I'm sure Pastor P gets this as well. What is God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? Or some of you may ask, do I have a purpose in life? Study after study shows that we all need meaning and purpose. A man named Pete Richardson did life coaching with around a thousand people. And he was once asked, do you believe that everyone has a calling? He's a Christian. And here's what he says. He says, we have to define calling. He says, the way I define it and see it in scripture is that calling in its simplest definition is what does God want me to do with the talents he has invested in me? So I look at calling from a very creative perspective. God is this great creator, 7.4 billion people and counting. Does he have the capacity to invest unique clumps of talent in each person? Yes, calling is for everyone. It's not just for a few. How many people go to their grave and actually discover it? That's a very small percentage. Today, the question is, do you believe that you have a calling on your life? Do you believe that God could use you right where you're at? We're looking at the life of Abram, and his name means father. He eventually becomes Abraham, which means father of many. Why does his name change? Because God enters his life. See, his story is larger than life. Abraham is attractive and inspiring. Many of us know who he is. If we've grown up in church, we've heard the stories. Why do we keep talking about the story of Abraham? Well, it's because deep down, many of us believe that meaning and purpose is important. And we see that God uses Abram beyond what he could have done on his own to the point where he becomes Abraham. And so we might ask, well, how did Abraham do it? But what we find is the more we study this text, the more we see this narrative isn't about Abraham figuring out his meaning in life and becoming the hero of his story. No, what we find is that he falls short in many ways. What this story is about, it's about how God is the hero and it's God's call that makes Abraham great. It's the call of God. See, God's call gave his life meaning. And it's important that we think about 
Our call. Our call. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Friends, I remember having to give a presentation in my fifth grade class, having to stand in front of my peers. It's a presentation in music class. I can't tell you how afraid I was, how just, just scared, paralyzed I was. Friends, To fulfill my calling, it's not me. Because when I got that call, when I was 17 years old, when my youth pastor said, would you come up and, and share in front of our church and preach? It was Youth Sunday. I said, yeah. And I got up there and the fear that paralyzed me before was gone. You know why? Because I wasn't talking about something that didn't matter. I wasn't talking about myself. I was talking about him. Him. See, I'm, I'm a part of the weak, but that God could use the weak things of the world to share about the wise things. Him. If there's something that's holding you back today, trust him. Let me ask, have you heard the call? Again, our text is Genesis eleven twenty-seven through twelve four, and and the setting is this in Genesis eleven twenty-seven through thirty-two. See, sometimes we want to jump into the the twelve part, right, the chapter twelve, but we got to understand what's happening in chapter eleven. We got to know what's happening here, because in Genesis eleven twenty-seven through thirty-two, humanity was on a downward spiral because of the effects of sin. It was on a downward spiral. All of human history had reached a dilemma because the only ones with the knowledge of the true God are about to die out. They're about to die out. Verse 30, it says that Sarai was barren. She was barren. That There was no future. There was no lineage that was going to be passed on. She was barren. The writer makes that very clear. See, this was the last family on earth who knew about God. Verse 31 says this, they settled there. They settled there. They'd settled where they were at. Abraham had settled and was content with everything. The way that his life was going, he was fine with it. Listen to Joshua 24.2. Give us a little bit more background on how Abram's spiritual state was at this point. It says this, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, they served other gods. Do you know where God finds Abram? He finds them worshiping other gods. There was no future. There was no hope. There was no destiny. There, there wasn't any of those things. They served other gods. 
Timothy Keller says this about this text. He says, first of all, the word Terra means moon. Ur of the Chaldeans was a center of lunar worship. The true family, the family that was supposed to be preserving or preserving the, the last family, knowing who God is and knowing who created the world and knowing what uh, we were built for, the last family who knew anything about God has gone over to idol worship. This text tells us there was no foreseeable future. There's no human power to invent a future. The human race and human history have just hit a dead end. It's over. It's over. And then God speaks and there's hope again. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see why going back and and seeing where they were at spiritually is so important? They'd hit a dead end. The tension is that humanity had no hope unless God intervenes. And it's out of spiritual desperation that the call comes. So how does the call of God break through into our lives? Well, there are three parts that we see to the call. So you're taking notes. The first one is it's relational. The second is that it's risky. And the third is that it's received. Relational, risky, and received. So the first one is relational. Look at verse one in chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram. Up to this point, Abraham had probably heard about God, but he'd never experienced God. He'd worshiped idols and he'd spoken most likely to idols and prayed to idols, but he'd never heard anything back from them. Now he's hearing the God that created him, speaking to him. See, what do we find find out about the God of the Bible? Well, what we find out is that God is one. See, they lived in a culture of multiple gods, but we see now the Lord, he's the Lord of all, is speaking. And that God initiates. See, here's the thing. God pursued Abram. Abram didn't come to God. It doesn't say that that Abram was pursuing him, praying to him or anything like that. What it says is that God came to him. The Lord said. As Guinness once said, we cannot find God without God. We cannot reach God without God. We cannot satisfy God without God. Which is another way of saying that our seeking will always fall short unless God's grace initiates the search and unless God's call draws us to him and completes the search. Do you know how you got here today? God, his call, he's brought you here. You're not here by mistake, friends. See, God speaks. One commentator says that the history of redemption, like that of creation, begins with God speaking. You think about creation. How did we we get here? How How does the world exist? Recently, my son was in a class and they were talking about just how all these things just kind of came to be. My, my son pushed back a little bit and he started asking questions. He's like, well, how, 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 how could we have survived this, this bang and all this other stuff? It's because God spoke it. God's the one who initiated it. And now God is initiating salvation in the life of Abram. The Lord said, 
He's experiencing the God who speaks. Second, it's risky. Look at verses uh, one and two. It says here, um, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Go. Now, what we don't see here beneath the surface is that um, it's two words here, um, but it's, it's, it's literally like, go yourself. Go yourself. In the uh, King James Version, it says, get thee out. <laughs> Why is that important? Because what we see here is that God is telling him, you got to make a decision. You've just met the God of the universe, but you got to go and you got to get yourself out of here. You, you got to listen to me. You got to obey me. You got to trust me. I'm going to, I'm going to draw you out, but you, you got to make this decision. Again, another commentator says, Abram must decide whether to abandon his land in favor of the land God offers. He must decide whether to abandon what family he still has. God promises against all logic. He must decide whether to set aside his blessing, his inheritance for the inheritance God described. The, the initiative offers much, but its cost is significant. Do you know that it costs something? It will cost you something when you trust God, when you follow him, when you get yourself out. Right? It will cost you something. And so we see that with Abram here, the call of God is risky in nature. It'll put you out of your comfort zone. See, imagine growing up, knowing one way of life, and then being asked to leave it all. This is what's on the line for Abram here. It's risky. It, again, it's, it's said that he has to make a gradual disentanglement from country, kindred, and father's house. He's got to leave everything that's comfortable to him. Because remember, he's the guy that settled. His father had passed away. He had all of the inheritance. He, he had everything he could have lived off of for the rest of his life. But he had to say, I got to go. I remember our, our church, Grace City, just turned six years old. I remember when... It wasn't just me, but it was my wife too who got a call from God that said, we got to go and plant a church. The way that she said it was this, we can't not go. We can't not go. There's something in us. We, we, we had uh, great jobs. We had a home. We had all those things. And we were, we were, we were being called to go to another city. We'd never lived here before. And so for us, it was something that we had to have a gradual disentanglement from what was comfortable at the time. What is that for you? See, it's not just me, but the call comes for all of us. And so will we listen? Because lastly, it's received. Look at verses two through three. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And I, in all 
and you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, do you realize the grace in this? The grace in this. See, what do we see in this text? We see two parts. First, it's number one, it's all about God. Look at how many times God says, I will. I will bless. I will make. I will bless. Right? God says, I will do this. Your life's not going to be about you anymore and how you've made it happen. It's going to be about how God is greater than you. See, look. This is where the idea of purpose must start. Many times what we think purpose is about is about me finding my purpose in life. Me defining my purpose in life. Me shaping my purpose in life based off of what I think my purpose should be. But what we see here is that God defines and shapes purpose. Do you believe that? See, Abraham must embrace that his life is about God, not about him. And so God's saying, I'm here, I'm speaking to you. Will you embrace me? Will you receive me? Because next, it's received, it's not earned. It's received, not earned. Again, Abraham's call is purely an act of grace. Think, Abraham was worshiping false gods. He was settled. And all he's given from the God of the universe is grace and a calling. He's saying, this is what I'm gonna leave you with. This is what I'm gonna put in your hands. Will you trust me? See, how often do you think about your relationship with God being only by grace, not by what you can do or have done? See, to appreciate grace, we have to be shown how sinful we are, how, how off base we are, and in our brokenness, understand that his love is received, not earned. We couldn't have gotten there on our own. Amen. Amen. Come on. See, ultimately, how is, Abraham, how is Abraham able to embrace such a risky call? Well, the Apostle Paul later writes about this encounter. He writes about it in Galatians 3, verse 8. And here's what he says. He says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. Hold on a second. Fast forward, Apostle Paul, looking back, he says that God preached the gospel to Paul or to, to Abraham. He preached the gospel to him. He preached the good news. God was preaching. You want to know the best preacher? God. God was preaching to Abraham. What's the thing that pulled him out of his comfort? What's the thing that pulled him out of his security? What was it? It was God preaching to him saying, I've got something better. And he says, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Later, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3, 13 through 14 says this. This is the gospel thread, friends. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Do you remember when God says, he says, um, I will curse 
uh, any who dishonors, I will, I will curse. And, and, and any who blesses you, I will bless. Here's the thing. How is that true for you and me? It's because Christ was cursed for us. So that we could be blessed. So that we could receive the call. So that we could step into a future that we wouldn't have had otherwise if it wasn't for God. Amen. The gospel is Jesus became a curse on our behalf so that we can receive him and become a blessing. What's your calling? To become a blessing. To become a blessing. Wherever it is he's placed you to become a blessing. That's what he's called you to do. How do you do it? Because you're blessed by God through Jesus Christ, through the salvation that he offers. Today, just some takeaways. How can I live out God's calling for my life? Number one, seek Jesus before seeking purpose. Seek Jesus before seeking purpose. Nine years ago, I was having this crisis. Again, my struggle was, why am I here? What's my purpose? I felt like I was wandering, searching for meaning. And then I came across this passage from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. I remember sitting there and just thinking about this. And, and, and what, what I was doing was I wasn't at, at that moment trusting in the Lord. I, I was trusting in my own understanding. See, that purpose and, and that, that conviction, all those things. It, I was trying to make sense in my mind, but I wasn't trusting the Lord in my heart. What happened was this verse realigned me. For, for me, I had it wrong. You see, I was searching for meaning before I was searching for God. It was out of order. Do you realize that the most important calling before anything is that you are called to be a child of God. See, what I do doesn't make me who I am. It's who, what God has done to make me who I am. It's whose I am, right? It's whose I am. That's the first and foremost before everything. And so do you know whose you are? Do you know what it costs? It costs the precious blood of Jesus to redeem you, that we can call ourselves children of God. So look for him, seek him first before we try to find what we're supposed to do. The second one is personally receive God's call. See, Abraham had to make this decision to obey, get thee out. He trusted God. Hebrews 11 uh, verse eight says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he had, would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He didn't know where he was going. He was just trusting God and that God would provide. See, are you, are you waiting or are you actively listening and receiving God's call for you? Again, I told you I got three kids. As father, I call out a lot. I say, hey, hey, guys, can you clean up that room in there? I'm calling out from 
on the other side of the house, right next to him. It was concerning to me because things were happening, right? The, the things I was saying weren't happening. And so I, I took my kids to the doctor. I literally took them to the doctor. I took them to the, I said, can you check their ears to see if it is working? And no lie, came back. They said, they, my kids have perfect hearing. Perfect, like off the charts, perfect hearing. And I'm like, okay, now I know that they can hear me. That's not the problem. It's whether they're going to respond to the call. So today, friends, are we living, hearing, perfect hearing, but not willing to respond? Last is this. You are blessed to be a blessing. Look at verse 2. I will bless you and make you, your name great so that you will be a blessing. We are only blessed to be a blessing. See, what is blessing? Whatever God has placed in your hands. And ultimately, it's to all point to him. Amen. His grace, his kingdom, his mercy. See, blessing isn't to flaunt, isn't to say, look at me. Is to say, look at him. Look at what he's done. And so I just want to leave you with this gospel reminder. When God calls you, he will never ask more of you than he asked of his own son, Jesus. You think it's hard, whatever you have to go through. He asked his son, Jesus, to go through way more for you. The only reason the call is available to us is because of Jesus. See, the life of a Christian is not built on what we do or have done, but based on everything that Jesus has done for us. It's pure grace. Some of you think you're disqualified because of your life. Let me encourage you. You're looking too much at yourself and you're not looking enough at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at what he's done. He was relational. He came to be with us. The word became flesh, right? He was asked to do something far more risky than we could ever be asked. And he was rejected so that you and I could be received. As you see Jesus and place your faith in him and trust in him, you will be able to step in faith, just like Abraham did, into the call that God has for you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that it's all about you, about what you've done. And we just want to give you glory today. We want to experience you today. The, the God who speaks, not some idol who's silent on the sidelines, but no, the God who speaks, who initiates, who comes to us when we didn't deserve it. The God who meets us in our darkest moments and brings light. Lord, thank you that you're a good God and that you meet us like that. Praise you. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.